Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and today I'm being joined by Bob Bunn. Bob's the editor of the Adult Explore the Bible Commentary. Uh, Bob, Bob also was with us to begin this quarter. He was our first guest uh, for this three-month time period, and here he is. He's helping us put a bow on it, too, as we get to uh, the book of uh, Philemon. So we've studied Philippians, Colossians, and now Philemon. All f- uh, these three books, along with Ephesians, were written when Paul was in prison in house arrest in, in Rome. We find out about that at the end of Acts. Uh, but these are these are connected that way, and you see it, uh, particularly Colossians and Philemon. If you were to look at the list of people that are named, one of the pack items, pack item 13, gives a list of the names of people who are listed. There's 19 people identified, 19 names given, and uh, you will see how many of those names that are found in Colossians are also found in Philemon. So it helps you uh, connect those two books to each other. But here we are, we're looking at this final session uh, for this study. We're looking at Philemon. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 21. The main point that we're focusing on here is that believers feel, forgive others since they too have been forgiven. Three main ideas that are being included here. Number one is sent. Number two is as brothers, so welcome him. So let me just step through those. Sent as a brother, so welcome him. So if you put those three statements in the the outline together, you have a sentence, uh, a part of a sentence, which Paul Paul sent Onesimus as a brother, so welcome him, and he's addressing that to Philemon. First First section, verses 8 through 12, sent. Paul explained that he sent Onesimus to Philemon. He appealed to Philemon on the basis of Christian love to accept his wayward slave, who was now a believer. The main point for us is that as believers, we can encourage restoration between other believers. Point number two, as a brother, looks at verses 13 through 16. Paul stated that he wanted Onesimus to remain with him, but chose to send him back to Philemon as a brother in Christ. In this section of of the text, we understand that believers are to view each other as members of the same family. The last part of our study looks at verses 17 through 21 of Philemon, and we've entitled that, So Welcome Him. In these verses, Paul directed Philemon to welcome Onesimus as he would accept Paul. He also committed to pay for any debt incurred, noting the debt that Philemon had to Paul. Paul was confident that Philemon would do the right thing and restore Onesimus. For us, we should understand that we are to welcome other believers as a result of a shared faith. Bob, this passage, just, you know, we're looking at a, a relationship between Philemon and Onesimus that deals with the idea of slavery in the first century. What are some ways this passage or this book has been misused, um, ways it's been misunderstood, misinterpreted? Uh, and, and how can we just be prepared for those when we're teaching this lesson this coming Sunday? Obviously, it's a very sensitive topic uh, that, that you got to be very, very careful about. 
but it's in scripture. So it, it, it is a passage we need to, to wrestle with and, and see what God has to say to us. It is, it is, of it. it does affirm to me how scripture deals with the nitty gritty of everyday life. Exactly. It's presence yeah. there. And so and, I, and slavery in the first century was part of the everyday life. Oh the yeah. First, the, the, did you know feature in the, in the, in the study guide, the personal study guide indicates that, you know, half the, Half the people in, in the Roman Empire were slaves, and a third of the population of the city of Rome were, were slaves. And to one degree or another, they were all uh, living under limited freedom. So it, it was an everyday thing. And, and But historically, unfortunately, the even good people in the church uh, abused this passage and misused it and and tried to turn it into something that they should not have. And, and our, our country and our the church itself probably suffered because of that. Um, but again, what I always say when people ask me about abusing or misusing passages, I always go back to the idea of context. And if we understand the context of what Paul is talking about here in this little letter to Philemon, then we can get a better grasp of, of what we need to learn from it. And two things come out. Number one, slavery in the first century was not like what most Americans think of when they think of slavery. We we have ingrained in our in our psyche sort of the, uh, the antebellum South uh, racial uh, prejudice driven um, inequities that obviously are, are ungodly or are wrong. They're, they were sinful then, they're sinful now. Uh, and, and we wanna make that very, very clear. Um, as a matter of fact, the, 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 the doctrinal, the key doctrine for this, for, this, uh, for this lesson talks about justice and talks about uh, how people are created in the image of God, and that that's not a racial thing. That's that extends beyond uh, any kind of race or any other kind of boundary that we might want to try to put on it. So, but we also have a couple of pack items that, well, a pack item in an article uh, in the Leader Guide that kind of help you get a better understanding of what slavery really meant in the first century, uh, what it was like, what the context of, of this letter to Philemon. Uh, what kind of what kind of context it was living in at the time, and so understanding that really helps. And the other thing to remember is that that the real theme of this letter is not slavery. Uh, one of the main characters is a slave. The other main character, another main character, is a master. But really, it's about reconciliation. It's about restoration. It's about how people within the church, of all kinds of relationships that you have within the church, we are all called to to love each other to accept each other, and as the summary statement says, forgive each other, because we've been forgiven of so much, and when we, when we remember that, it's a lot easier to stay on track and, and kind of see what, what Paul was trying to get at when he wrote to Philemon. You know, Philemon is the centerpiece of this book, obviously, but at the same point, you have Onesimus uh, willing to go and have this conversation uh, and put his future in the hands of, of Philemon, as opposed to staying and remaining with Paul or trying to do something so that he doesn't have to go and face uh, Philemon. Yeah, and that is one aspect where the slavery does come into play, because if Onet, when Onesimus goes back to Colossae and goes back to Philemon, he could legally, Philemon could do just about anything he wanted. Uh, he could He could, even to the point of putting him to death. And Onesimus knew that. Yeah, exactly. And so it took a lot of courage for Onesimus to go back. Um, but that, sh that shows the transformative power of the gospel as well, 
that he was willing to do that and make things right, even at the risk of his own life. Uh, so when we think about that relationship between slaves and masters, that's, that does, that is a relevant point to consider. Uh, but all the more, it's why Paul was so adamant about saying, hey, please, please accept him back the way uh, you would accept me, accept him as a brother in Christ, not as a returning slave. I mentioned the Peck Adam earlier, Peck Adam uh, 13 and Peck Adam 4 works with it too, where you have the, the names of the people who are listed in Colossians and Philippians and Philemon. How do we point to the connection between Philemon and Paul's letter to the Colossians? What is that connection? Uh, and I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and ask this too when I'm thinking about it is because we have to, we have to deal with it. Anyway. What's what do we know about Philemon in that point? We really don't know much. As far as the connection between the two books, between Colossians and Philemon, uh, Philemon was a member of the church in Colossian, uh, of the Colossian church, the church at Colossae. And so, as a matter of fact, it, the church met in his home, is what most commentators will believe. And so, he historically, what we know, some of the things we know about Philemon, um, number one, we believe he probably became a Christian under the ministry of Paul. And when he went back to Colossae, he started hosting um, the Colossian church in his home. We also know that he had at least one servant in Onesimus. Speculation is he probably had more than one. Mm -hmm. Both of those kind of tell us that he was, he was probably fairly well off. If he had a house that was big enough to host a church and he had servants, he was probably well-to-do, probably had a lot of influence, not only within the church, but possibly within the, the Colossian community. And so he was a man of means. And... Uh, but the, the key thing about, the, about Philemon, probably the most important thing that this letter brings out, is that he had a very close relationship with Paul. Um, this, the tone of Paul's letter, this is probably the most personal of it's all kind of Paul's of, letters. It's, it's kind of interesting. He has that relationship with Paul, but yet Paul's never been in his hometown. He never has. Yeah. And I mean, Paul, two, two, two people that Paul led to Christ were the pastor in, F, in Colossians, the pastor of the Colossian church and the, the host of the Colossian church. And he'd never, he'd never been to the city with either one of them. So yeah, there's, there are those connections, but, uh, and the two letters were written at the same time. They were delivered at the same time. One of them was just for the entire congregation. And one of them was to an individual in Philemon, but going back to the idea of this, this is a very personal letter. It's a very heartfelt letter. The tone is quite different from, from what you've seen a lot of them. And, and some folks might say, well, Paul, you know, he was a he was a literary master. He could manipulate people. He could, you know, he could get people to do what he wanted to. But the truth is that Paul, Paul pretty consistently said what he thought. Uh, Paul didn't pull a lot of punches in his letters. And so if there's a problem, like in Corinthians uh, or in some of the other letters, Galatians, he called them out on it. If if there was a congregation that he really cared about and went to affirm like the Philippians or maybe in Thessalonians, he was quick to do that as well. So there's no reason to think that, that the sincerity and the, the heartfelt connection that he expresses in Philemon is anything but that. Uh, these two had a very close relationship and, and, and Paul really spoke to him as a brother, uh, as much as uh, maybe a, a spiritual father. You have two people in Philemon and Onesimus who were both we believe, led to faith in Christ by Paul. Mm -hmm. And Paul's trying to, I don't really use the word broker, but... Um, reconcile. Trying to bring reconciliation right. to two people so that they can move forward in their spiritual lives. 
-hmm. both of them needed to move forward. And that hanging behind both of them was going to be a problem in their spiritual walk if they didn't have a restored relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Onesimus had to demonstrate obedience by going back to Colossae. Yeah. And Philemon had to demonstrate obedience by welcoming him back, even though both decisions from a cultural perspective at the time did not make a lick of sense. It did not make sense for a runaway slave to go home. It did not make sense for a, a master to accept a runaway slave as a brother. Imagine the buzz in the town of Colossae after this happened. Yeah, and it may have, you know, who knows what the impact it would have had on the church if, if people in the city would have seen this lived out. And we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us this. We but, don't. <laughs> you know, you, can you imagine the, the scene as uh, that letter is delivered to the church, first of all. Hey, here's this letter from Paul to y'all. Oh, oh yeah, and by the way, Philemon, here's a letter to you too. And Onesimus is standing right here when that's being handed. Think of the think of that scene. Yeah, um, we see a play on words here between useless and useful. How does that give us insight into this passage? I think all of our resources do a pretty good job of of explaining that the word Onesimus basically means useful uh, or profitable. Um, and it, it's uh, I remember I always credit my dad with telling me this. I don't know if he actually said it, or I just remember him wanting, wanting him to have, have said it to me, but he, he always said, make yourself useful to some, at least one person every day. And so that, I kind of live by that every day. And for slaves in the first century, uh, that was really important. As a matter of fact, Onesimus was a fairly common name uh, for slaves in that time. And it made sense because if you were a slave, your life would be a whole lot better if you were being found useful. And if you were a master, you certainly wanted your slave to be useful. Now, the, the, the kicker is that Onesimus wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't living up to his name. He was about as unuseful or had been about as unuseful as a slave could be. He had not only run away from his master, but he had probably stolen something of value uh, to fund his trip to Rome. And so, uh, you know, he had been about as useful as you can imagine a slave being. But uh, when Paul sends him back, of course, he came to Rome. He met Paul. We believe he became, as you mentioned, became a Christian under Paul's influence and, and felt the need to return. So uh, when Paul looked at him and, and said he was useful, he was really looking at him in, in a spiritual context more than even the, the domestic context. Yes, if Onesimus goes back to, to Colossae and goes back to Philemon's house, Yes, he could be useful. Yes, he could continue to do the things that he used to do. But Paul had bigger plans and really felt that Onesimus could be useful for the kingdom now, not just, not just keeping the house and not just doing the tasks that a, slave, a slave's master would have for him, but that he could really make an impact for the gospel uh, as a member of the church in, Coloss in Colossae. And so, you know, it's really, that, that, that's really a great, point for us to remember today, and maybe our, our leaders can bring it out, is that you know God, God sees purpose in all of us. He sees usefulness in all of us. We we may feel like uh, we may feel like like cast off from a rude Goldberg machine, you know, it's just kind of scattered here and there all over the place, but and don't make a lick of sense. But God sees us as being useful. And, and scripture backs that up because God's word is full of people who from a human perspective either were never useful or had forfeited their usefulness. And you think about people like, like Moses, who was a murderer, and David, who was a murderer and an adulterer, and you know Rahab, 
was a prostitute and Ruth was from a foreign country and Peter was was a, was a hot mess whenever it came to everything and John had a temper and you know and, and all these people and even Paul himself was you know he was Saul of Tarsus before he was Paul he was a persecutor of the church he said I am the least among the brethren and so you know even he had his own issues of usefulness and what God could do but in each of those stories, God has redeemed those people and has, has brought them through and made them useful. And he does the same for us. Even when we feel at our lowest and we feel completely useless and, this, and the enemy tells us we're not useful, we're not worth anything. God says, no, I can use you. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. Walk in that truth. In the background of this story is, is Paul and John Mark. John Mark's mentioned as being with Paul here in Ro in Rome during this time. He's noted in Colossians and in Philemon, and we have to remember that the story of the relationship between John Mark and Paul goes back to Acts 15, which is right before he actually goes to Philippians to the to Philippi the first time. Right. Yeah, that was that trip. Yeah, they got in a, a Paul and Barnabas got in a big argument, and you see you see both of their resolve probably see both their anger uh, and it was such a nasty fight that they couldn't continue with each other. So uh, Paul grabs Silas, I believe if I remember right, and they go on their way mm -hmm. and they grab Timothy in the process and Barnabas takes John Mark and they go another route. And mm -hmm. you wonder what happened because Barnabas is never mentioned from that point on in scripture. That's the last time we hear anything from Barnabas. Right. But John Mark, we hear some more about, and here he is appearing in the books of Colossians and Philemon. And, and, and I think it's important for us to bring this up. Here, Paul was, was asking for there to be this uh, relational restoration between Philemon and Onesimus. But we know that he had done the same thing with that relationship between him and John Mark. Now, we don't know about Barnabas, but we know that Paul and John Mark had restored that relationship. Right. And so he's asking Philemon and Onesimus to do exactly what those two people had done. And mm -hmm. he's already set the example. There, I have to think that those folks knew that by him including John Mark's name in there, that was a clue that, uh-oh, um, he's not asking us to do anything that he hadn't had to do himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the one of the greatest verses, the, of course, Second Timothy is probably Paul's last letter that we know of. Mm -hmm. And one of the last verses in his last book, he actually talks about John Mark and says that he is useful. Bring him with me. Or bring him when you come to see me, bring John Mark with you because he's useful to me. And it goes back to Onesimus being useful and his name being useful. And so there's this connection there that uh, that is kind of weaved its way through these passages and these these letters that, uh, that it's just incredible. And it's uh, so fun to see. One thing about that, by the way, is the Bible skill uh, for this week. We're encouraged to review Acts 15 verses 36 through 41 and then 2 Timothy 4.11, which is the, the, the uh, conversation we just talked about between Paul and Barnabas and then the passage that you mentioned from 2 Timothy, uh, we're encouraged to compare the relationship with Mark to Philemon's relationship with Onesimus, and then how did both Paul and Philemon look beyond the past to restore that relationship and what principles we can see from that. That might be a great way 
to end this particular lesson is to look at those passages in Acts and 2 Timothy and note that Paul had to have that restoration. We don't know how that restoration took place, but we know at some point it did, and it was before he sent this letter to Philemon. Now, this concludes our study of Philemon. We don't know what happens next, by the way. We, it's left open for us. We don't know. But, but this concludes our study of Philemon. Uh, it actually concludes our study of Philippians and Colossians. Uh, one of the things that may help us to kind of bring this unit of study to a conclusion is using that keywords poster once again, pack item three. Just look at all those keywords that were found in each one of the, the three Bible books, the Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. You may have written more on there. You can obviously write more keywords that your group believes ought to be added to that poster. Go ahead and write those on there. Ask them to look at those words. Which one of those words did they need uh, to be reminded of the most in their life? And have them think through those things, consider those things, to look for those things. That'd be a great way to summarize, to kind of end uh, this uh, unit of study and to tie the bow for us. Bob, I want to thank you for being with us today. Thank you for listening out there today. Uh, if you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at Dwayne McCreary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I'll put you in contact with the right person who can answer it. Join us next week. We'll start a new study. We'll be looking at Ezekiel and Daniel during December, January, and February. So we look forward to you joining us then as we start that next quarter of study.